Thank you, choir. Appreciate that. What a different song that would be if it said just once <laughs> instead of never once. Aren't you glad that never once he's left us alone? I'm so thrilled about that. As you know, we have a lot packed into the morning, and we also have an annual meeting. So what we had to do was shorten things up a little bit, and I had to shorten my sermon. And if I shortened my sermon too much, I couldn't do what I wanted to do in my series of W in Proverbs. So I went in a different direction to the names of God. And I'm just going to give you an overview today of some of God's names. I hope it's going to be thrilling for you. And I want to share with you how this came about. Uh, this happened a number, maybe four or five years ago, that I began this study, and it's an overwhelming study. But I love the Word of God, and my, my goal is that all of the congregations that I pastor, each person will get into the Word of God for themselves every day. And I do. And I'm not going to recommend what I do because it's a little uh, obsessive-compulsive, but I, I read the Bible through twice a year, and uh, sometimes it gets a little stale. But, you know, if, if, if you want to do, do it like me, it might not work for you. In fact, what I'm saying might even violate the principle that I often teach, read for depth and not for distance. What do I mean? Be much better for you to read a few verses every day and meet God than read 10 or 20 chapters just to check it off. You've got to meet God in the Word. And so that's what I try to do. For me, it works well. And, uh, but I have to admit, every once in a while, it can get a little stale. This regimen, uh, uh, twice a year, every six months reading the Bible through. So every once in a while, God kind of speaks to my heart and say, freshen this up a little bit. So what I do is I will take a theme in the Bible and I will mark down by hand every reference on a certain topic in the Bible. For instance, I've done... Every reference on fear I have recorded, every reference on anger, every reference on creation, every verse on teaching and preaching, every verse on holiness, every miracle of the Bible I have recorded. And it's such an adventure. And so one time the Lord kind of just prompted me to go and record every place his name is and how many names there are and how often those names appear. And so I found out that not only does he have names, he has titles, and he has ascriptions. For instance, a name would be Lord God. A title would be King of Kings. And an ascription would be the God of all truth. And so when I found all of these different names, I was so overwhelmed. My, my spirit was riveted to the power of his names. In fact, when I started the study, I took this Bible. It was a brand new Bible at that time. And I circled every name, every title, every ascription for God from cover to cover so that every time I read through the Bible, his name jumps out at me all the time. I always know where God is in my Bible. It just jumps out at me. Now, the thing that overwhelmed me is I found that were 427 different names and titles and ascriptions for God. I'd never guessed there was that many names there. And so you need to know that with all those names that I am not a scholar. I'm not a scholar of the English Bible. I'm not a scholar of Hebrew and Greek. But those names have come to me in a brand new way, has overwhelmed me. And my prayer is that the names of God will have the same effect on you as they did to me. Humble me and overwhelm me and minister to me. So I would like you to stand in honor of God's word as I read some of the names today of God. Not going to be all 427, but just a couple of them. Starting in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. 
to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 1 Timothy 6, 14 and 15. Keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. 1 Timothy 1.17. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Say amen, would you? I hope that all of your excitement is is pumping through your veins right now to see these wonderful names of God. You may be seated. So what do I say about 427 names in one short sermon? All I can do is dip a thimble full in and hope it will bless you. And so what I'm going to do is give you four observations on the name of God, and then I'm going to pick one name and tell you how he tailor-made it for me at the point of, of my need in my life a year or two ago, maybe three. So observation number one, the major way God reveals himself to us is through his names, his titles, his descriptions. In fact, I want you to know that all the names that can be known of God are found in only one place, the Bible. You can't find a name for God in any other place than the Word of God. And the people who wrote the Bible did not make up his names. God revealed his names to these people. And each name, each title, each ascription is a snapshot of some aspect of God that he wants us to know about him and his heart. His names also tell us how he wants to have this incredible personal relationship with each one of us. So, if you want to get to know God intimately, you must do so through his names. And his names are what brings clarity to who he is. His names is what brings clarity to what he does. And the more you come to know the richness of his names the more you will come to know him and the more you will understand the revelation of who he is and how it will touch your heart in a phenomenal way. Now, most of us only know a few names for him. And so we know names like God and Father, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Lord. They are wonderful. They're beautiful names. But these are only the beginning of the names of God and the, the, the knowledge of the Holy One. And if you want to go into the depths of a relationship with God, you do it by knowing and understanding and involving yourself in His names. It will change your heart. It will change your mind. But you need to know the most important name of all, of 427 names. You need to know the most important one, and it is the name Savior. You need to know him in a personal way. You need to know that your sins are forgiven. You need to know that you're a child of the Father. You need to know that heaven is your home. And if you don't know the Savior, all the rest of the names mean nothing, so to speak. It all begins there. 
leads me to observation number two. God's names, titles, and inscriptions fall into three basic categories. His being, his relationships, and his actions. So let's take a look at these categories. First of all, when we talk about God's being, we're talking about his nature. We're talking about his character. We're talking about his essence. We're talking about his qualities. And some of God's being names and titles are these. Gracious God, Most High God, God of glory, Spirit of wisdom and understanding, God of truth, eternal God, righteous God, great God, mighty God, living God, immortal God, faithful God, majesty on high. Whoa, these are exciting, awesome names. And names like these tell us who God is as a person, what his being, what his essence is like. And it becomes clear, very, very clear, that he is above all other beings in the universe. There is no one in all of the universe that compares remotely to him. He is above all, and he is awesome, and he is great. Now, God's names and titles also indicate how he relates his relationship with all of creation, in heaven and on earth and below the earth. There isn't one creature who doesn't have some kind of relationship with the Lord God Almighty, including the devil himself. There's a relationship, although it's not a great one. And so here's a sampling of the relational God, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord of heaven, the possessor of heaven and earth, the Lord of all the earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jerusalem, the God of our fathers, head of all things, head of the church, father, master, David's son, Emmanuel, God with us, God my Savior, Lord of the living, Lord of the dead, bridegroom, shepherd of the sheep, and Lord of lords. And through names like those, you see that God relates to every creature on the earth and in the universe. No one in heaven, earth, and hell escapes his touch. But God's names and titles also tell us about his actions, what he does in his universe, how he does the various functions with creation. And perhaps this category of names is the most proficient in all of the Bible. And I give you another sampling. These are awesome. Creator, sustainer, helper, prophet, Merciful and faithful high priest, savior of the world, redeemer, teacher, servant, righteous judge, chief shepherd, deliverer, comforter, mediator, lawgiver, strong refuge, shield, God my maker, avenging God, wonderful counselor, and the Lord your healer. Wow, these names, it says how he relates to us. And so these names and titles speak about God's phenomenal nature. Speak about his power to act in any way he chooses consistent with who he is and his will. And his names and titles and inscriptions, every one of them, when they do their proper work in our hearts and our minds, should bring us to worship and surrender. That's what they are designed to do. Which leads me to observation number three. God seems to have some favorite names. With all the 427, there's a few that seem that he likes better than the others, although he likes them all equally. There's some that come to the top. Now, most of us don't choose our own names. There are some authors who choose a pen name, and there are movie stars that choose a screen name. 
But most of us get the name that we are given. Like the name that I got. I wasn't real happy with that, but I didn't know what was happening when I was a kid. I can't imagine that when I was born, my mother and dad said, hello, this is Alfred. But that's what they named me. And so I have to live. And ever since I, I, I knew that my name was Alfred, I shortened it to Al. And I said, well, maybe they won't know what it is. Maybe it's Alan or whatever, you know. So I didn't choose my name. But God chose his own name. Nobody ever gave him his names. It's all part of what he decided to do to reflect and reveal his very essence. And each name is revelated and so rich in meaning and so deep. But several names come to prominence. And I want you to see these names that God seems to enjoy more than the others. And especially as we start in the Old Testament, you'll see the top two favorite names. The first name for God that we seems to be in the Old Testament the most favorite is the name Lord, L-O-R-D, in capitals, used some 5,688 times. And God is the second one, used 1,533 times. Now the Hebrew name for this popular name, Lord, is Yahweh, translated Jehovah in the King James Version, and Lord in capitals in all the other versions and translations for the most part. Now Yahweh has a surprisingly simple meaning. It comes from the verb to be. And Yahweh means I am who I am, I will be who I will be. And in its shortest form, it means I am. So Yahweh is I am. And what is he saying in that name? He is saying that I will define who I am. Nobody else will do that. I define my name. I define who I am. I define my actions. I think Yahweh is the greatest and purest name for God. I think it's the name that God likes most. I am. That is his name. It's the most personal name for God. It's the covenant name through which he relates best to the people in the Old Testament. And that's the name he says, I bring to you. I am. But here's the second most popular name. It's the word God in the Old Testament. And it's actually more of a title than it is a name. It represents the one and only true, powerful, supreme being. And with this name, God, Hebrew, is Elohim, God related to the entire world. With Yahweh, he related to his covenant people in a personal way. Elohim is the mighty God, the almighty, powerful God who is the creator. And it's not uncommon to see these two names, Yahweh and Elohim, combined in the scriptures in the Old Testament, Lord God and the Lord my God. And so that's the Old Testament. Now we come to the New Testament, and we see some of his favorite names. The, the number one name in the, old, in the New Testament is the word God. That's the favorite name from the Greek theos, used 1,139 times. Now, this is a general term in the Greek world, speaking of a divine being. So you can have the word God for the true God, or you can have the word God, small uh, cap, not capital, but small g, for the false gods, which would be the Roman gods and the Greek in the pantheon, that kind of thing in mythology. But the Christians took this name, God. For the one true and living God over all things, and it is similar in meaning God in Greek to the Old Testament God, Elohim. And so we see this might and, mighty and powerful God. Now the next most frequently used name that the New Testament uses is the name Jesus or some variation of it with Lord Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And these variations around the name of Jesus appear 1,088 times in the New Testament. 
And I also want you to know that the name Jesus was a common name. That there were many boys in Palestine whose name was Jesus. And so this name Jesus took over a special meaning. By the way, the Old Testament name for Jesus is Joshua. But here's the interesting thing I want you to see about the name of Jesus. The most, the most used name for God in the Old Testament was Yahweh. But it isn't brought over into the New Testament, not even once. And so I began to ponder, what is the significance, the fact that Yahweh is not brought over to the New Testament one time? And here's the conclusion I came to. The New Testament says the greatest revelation of God to man is Jesus Christ. So in the New Testament, the name Jesus took the place of the old name, Old Testament name Yahweh because Jesus is now Yahweh revealed in flesh. In fact, the name Jesus in Hebrew is the name Yeshua. Yah is the abbreviated form of Yahweh. Shua is the the uh, Hebrew word yesha, meaning salvation. So when you put it together, Yeshua literally means Yahweh is salvation. So the name Jesus is actually an abbreviated form of, guess what? Yahweh in the New Testament. And it's no surprise then when Jesus was dickering with the, the scribes and Pharisees as they argued with him, he said to them before Abraham was, what did he say? I am, he was using Yahweh's name, and Jesus was identifying himself with Yahweh. Now, the author of Hebrews tells us that God spoke to the fathers in the Old Testament in many ways. But in these last days, God has spoken through his Son, who's the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. So that Jesus would say, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And the fullest revelation of God is now in Jesus. And that's why Paul would say that that name is above all names and indeed became the equivalent for Yahweh under the new covenant in the New Testament. And so, we've seen three observations. And we leave now the favorite names of God in the Bible for observation number four. God impresses his various names on us as we have needed them. I hope you're going to get the significance of this. God impresses his various names on us as we have need of them. For instance, Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. God said to Moses, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. That was my name to them. But they did not know my name Yahweh. I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. And now that I'm ready to do something with them in a special way and create a nation and bring them out of Egypt, they are going to know my name Yahweh, and I bring that special name to them in a very special way. And I think this is how God deals with us. There are times that we know one name, but he brings another name to us just at the point we need it. For instance, when we're unsteady, he might bring his name Rock to us. When we're discouraged, he might show us his name, Comforter. When we're stressed out, he might reveal his name, Peace. God has over 400 names in the Bible, and he can tailor make those names to the point that we need it. But we've got to be listening, and we've got to know his names, and that takes study in his word. 
Well, since I've done the study of God's names, I can't tell you how many times that he's brought a particular name to me when just I needed it most. As I said at the beginning of my sermon, there are 427 names, titles, and descriptions of God in the Bible. I'd say he's got a lot of options to choose from. And he's just waiting to show you one of his names at the point that you need it. For the remainder of my sermon, I want to talk to you briefly about a time when God shared a name with me just when I needed it. I was feeling kind of discouraged and alone. I was feeling like I needed a father kind of figure and I didn't have it. And, you know, we as pastors, we pastor people, but who pastors the pastor? So here I am in a low spot when that very weekend, well-known Christian author and speaker Brennan Manning came to town. I was busy. I wasn't going to go, but I had this prompting, go, go. That's where you need to be. And so I went in to the seminar, and I was in the middle of studying about how God brings his names to us just when we need it most. I went to session one on a Friday night. I go to session number two in the morning, and guess what he's talking about in session two? He's talking about the name of God, Abba. Abba, his whole session, one hour. And I melted as I heard him speak because I knew at that moment that that session was for me. That God wanted to relate to me as Abba in my point of need. Now, Maria and I have raised four children. Maybe you have. Maybe you know kids when they're being raised. One of the very first words that they learn to say is what? Dada. Another one is uh uh-oh, but often it is dada. And this is true no matter where we are, what language or what generation. And go way back in the time of Christ, those children who knew Aramaic spoke dada, but it came out Abba, Abba. And so Jesus would have said early about Joseph, Abba, Abba. And he knew about his heavenly father as well as Abba. In fact, Christ was consumed by that name. In fact, Abba was the name that Christ used most in his personal relationship with the Father. He used it 148 times. It was his favorite name for God. So if you wonder what Jesus' favorite name for the Father was, it was Abba. What does Abba mean? Abba means dad, papa, daddy in English. It conveys the sense of trust and intimacy, the sort of which you see when a father picks up tenderly little child and brings him to his lap and cuddles him, and that child knows that he's loved and secure in his father's arms. And here we have this great and powerful almighty God, Elohim, who at the same time is Abba, and it conveys this sense of trust, and it's one who's approachable and affectionately intimate, who fully loves and accepts us as his children in a relationship of unprecedented intimacy and trust. That's what the name Abba is all about. You see, this was brand new. The ancient world, even the Jews, never saw God as intimate and in a family way. They saw God as this almighty and fearful person. But when Jesus came in the flesh... He revealed God as Abba for the first time to the world. And the great and transcendent God now became intimate and personal. Now, in our world, it is true that fathers can hurt their children. 
And there are many times that when children think of the heavenly father, they think about the hurt of their earthly father, and they can't quite relate with the heavenly father. I want you to know that's a strategy of Satan to sour you on Abba Father. God is not that way. But there's another error that sometimes we make, and it's this, to think that Abba will love us as his children more if we're good. And if we're uh, the kind of person that we do good things, he will love us, and we do bad things, he will not love us. I want you to know that is not true at all. And Manning repeated this over and over again that day, and I I got it, and I, I use it so often. Abba loves us as we are, not as we should be, for none of us will ever be as we should be. And I want you to know that God, Abba, is not waiting until we shape up, until we get better to love us more. He loves us as much as he, he, he will ever love us right now and loves us so much he refuses to let us stay as we are. Abba loves you today. He loves me as much as he ever will. And so I want to be sure you have the essence of the name Abba. You have to picture yourself as a little needy child on the lap of a loving father. Yes, that imagery of a child approaching the loving lap of his Abba, let it grip you, for you need to live like Jesus did more and more every day with a conscious sense that Abba is your father and he loves you and he cradles you in his love from the terrible things of this world. Speaking of Abba's love, Listen to the words of pastor and author of two generations ago, A.W. Tozer. This is awesome. An infinite God, Abba, can give all of himself to each of his children. He does not distribute himself that each may have a part, but to each one he gives all of himself as fully as if there were no others. Friends, I tell you, you need to picture yourself as a young child on the lap of your heavenly father in his loving embrace and it will do wonders for you as it did for me. Well, friends, that's just one name for God. There are 426 others. And God wants to spend your lifetime revealing his many names to you. And that can't happen unless you get into his word. And learn his names. And I want you to know something. Those names aren't locked up to the saints of old. God wants you to have his names in an intimate and personal way as long as you live and move and have your being. Now back to the name Abba for a moment. God knew that I needed that name and he brought it front and center to my life. And here is the irony in this. Manning spoke without notes for an hour about Abba in such a compelling way That when I came home, I told Marie, next to Manning, I feel so inadequate. He is so knowledgeable and compelling, it's almost intimidating. And I feel kind of fearful in his presence because he knows so much. And then I thought, (laughs) Manning is nothing next to God. Manning didn't breathe the universe into existence. Manning doesn't know hardly anything compared to the Ancient of Days. He has no glory compared to the Lord of hosts. But when I say Abba to God, I feel no fear. I feel no intimidation. I feel intimacy. I feel gentleness. I feel his kisses. I feel Abba towards God, but I don't feel Abba towards Manning. And so the Lord would say, 
Don't you worry about anybody else out there and how you're feeling towards them. Feel like Abba is your intimate friend and your father. And no matter what this world may throw at you, he will come through as a faithful father. Well, today I tried to bring you to the flowing fountain of the abundant names of God. And then I brought you to one name, Abba. And I believe that might be the most important name that you will ever know after his name, Savior. I think we all need a refreshing in the loving arms of Abba. Would you please bow your heads with me? I'm wondering before I pray if anybody in this room needs a special touch from God and one of his names. It might be Abba. It might be Savior. It might be Comforter. It might be Wonderful Counselor. I don't know. But is there somebody in this room that say, I would like God to show me something about himself through his name in a fresh way that perhaps I didn't realize when I came in here today. If you find yourself in that position, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you that God might show himself mighty to you in some special way before you leave here. Yes, I see a number of hands across this auditorium. Yes, I see many. Anybody else? That God would show something about you, about him to you through one of his names. Anybody else? Father, I've seen many hands go up. And I know, Lord, that often you've shown me something about you through one of your awesome names. And so today, for those who've raised their hands, I pray that somehow you would speak in a powerful way, right to their heart of need, that your name would be something of glory and something of an encouragement, something of comfort, something of a revelation that they needed about you and they didn't have when they walked in here. And may it travel with them for many, many years as it has me. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.